Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to episode 28. Today, we're going to talk about managing your personal safety during a pandemic. You know, with this COVID-19, things seem crazy around the world today, don't they? 2020 has been probably the strangest year in my lifetime, and not to date myself, but this is probably the most bizarre situation I've found myself in in my lifetime. Yeah, sure, we've been through some wars overseas, and there was the space shuttle explosion back in the day, but uh, this is by far the strangest of times, and um, it remains to be seen where it's all going. And so, you know, if you've been following us here at the Self-Initiative Project for any time at all, hopefully you've come to realize that our premise, our whole entire premise was built on the fact that we believe your personal safety and preparedness is your responsibility. And, you know, in the spirit of talking about the pandemic, we're going to extend that to say your health is your responsibility as well. Um, And we just wanted to take a moment and do this quick podcast on uh, what it means looking after yourself from a personal safety perspective during something like a a pandemic. And, you know, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about are not necessarily driven directly by a a pandemic or COVID-19. There are certainly things that have come to the forefront um, in light of current circumstances, but that they're, I should say, it's not necessarily that they're all driven by the pandemic. It's just that some of them have come to surface and been, uh, or changed what they mean for us. So, uh, we're not going to talk about washing your hands and wearing a mask and staying six feet apart. Uh, new terms been coined like social distancing. You know, if, if you haven't been living under a rock, those subjects, those topics have been talked about ad nauseum, We wanted to really spend more time talking about your personal safety and things to be aware of and the vigilance that you should uh, employ for yourself and your family and your loved ones. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of, um, you know, even if you're not into self-defense or carrying a gun for self-defense, you know, whatever the topic, one of the things that I do think that we can do, um, is learn basic first aid and basic trauma. Um, you know, severe bleeding hemorrhaging is the number one cause of preventative deaths in, uh, trauma cases. And so if we all just learned how to use some gauze for applying pressure or stuffing a wound or using a tourniquet, more importantly, a lot of deaths, uh, could be prevented otherwise. So, you know, it's just food for thought for you. It's uh, a little off topic, but very much uh, germane to the conversation. You know, if you're not prepared to do anything else, first aid and basic trauma is something that you and your family can very easily learn. Um, first aid is offered, basic first aid is offered through a number of organizations, and there's a fantastic uh, free program. As far as I know, it's still free. You can find about it, out about it through your police department, your fire department, uh, medical uh, entities or hospitals. It's called Stop the Bleed. I can't highly rec- I, I can't recommend it enough. I highly recommend it. Um, it's fantastic for learning the basics of what to do with severe bleeding and how to, most importantly, how to use a tourniquet. Um, so I'm going to start with that. Uh, get out there and get yourself some training and know that stuff, if nothing else.
So I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about scams that are occurring right now and scams go on all the time, right? Uh, whether it's by text. Now I'm even starting to get scams via text, phone calls or emails. Scams continue to be on the rise and sometimes they just change their face a little bit. Like I can remember back in the mid late nineties getting emails from uh, the the entities that appeared to be out of my Nigeria saying, you know, they had some prince of something had $14 million. And if I allowed them to deposit it into my bank account, they'd leave behind two and a half million or whatever it is. You know, that's one of the oldest scams I can think of off the top of my head. And it must work because as far as I know, they're still doing it today. But scams and everything else have gotten criminals have gotten so much more sophisticated today. There's a lot of things to be on the lookout for, unfortunately. And you know, there's targeted groups, both children, and I also think the elderly um, are a targeted group because they're not necessarily as technologically savvy and don't aren't aware of these sorts of scams. So two fantastic sources of information to learn more about scams and what's going on with this pandemic is the FBI.gov website as well as the FTC or the Federal Trade Commission.gov website. Both of them have a lot of information on scams and what we as consumers should be on the lookout for. So, you know, some of this is what I'm talking to today is going to be found both on the FBI and the FTC websites, just to give you a heads up there. And I encourage you to go out and learn more for yourself. If nothing else, so you can talk to possibly your older parents. So talking about scams, there are some scams. According to the FTC, there are some scams that have come out uh, specifically, uh, you know, having to do with the pandemic and Corona 19. And one of them is based around this new job that's kind of come about with this pandemic. And it's, um, it's a job position that people take on, um, called contact tracers being a contact tracer. And basically what these individuals do is anybody that's been suspected of being in contact with someone that's sick, known to be sick or if an individual is known to be sick, has been tested and diagnosed and, and has definitely has Corona-19, a contact tracer's job is to remain in contact on a regular basis with that individual and keep track of their health data with them. And typically it's done over the phone and whatnot. And um, one of the scams, I guess, that's come about now is that there are criminals that are um, you know, moving that conversation from health into money or personal finance uh, situations and discussions and probably asking for money or otherwise in one shape, form or fashion. And that should never happen. So if you or a loved one find yourself sick or know for a fact you've been in contact with someone that's been sick, just know that a contact tracer could come into play for you. These people are just there to keep track of your health data because uh, we're still learning about all this, right? So it's a very valuable position, uh, but they should never be asking you about money. So that's uh, first and foremost. And a lot of this is what I'm going to talk about. You can find out these and more at the Federal Trade Commission's uh, website, again, at ftc.gov. The government supposedly will never text or 
email you or call you about checks from the government. So I know we've all gotten by now at least one stimulus check from the government. Supposedly, there's never any really any communication about that. So you know if you get contacted about your check, it's likely a scam. I know for me, when I got what little bit of stimulus I got, they made a direct deposit into my account and didn't even tell me. I literally logged into my bank account one weekend and saw the money in there. There are no, there should be no conversations about vaccinations or home test kits. Um, again, to my knowledge, we still have not developed a vaccination. Uh, supposedly, it might be getting somewhat close, even though developing vaccinations take some time, especially if you do it the right way. No one should be contacting you or reaching out to you about a vaccination. And by that, by that token, there should be no one reaching out to you about test kits, home test kits, because nothing's been approved uh, for home testing by the FDA or otherwise. So those are some definite red flags to you. And um, no one should be contacting you claiming to be from the CDC or the, the World Health Organization, the WHO. You can go to those sites, those entities, and learn whatever you're there to learn, but no one from those two primary entities should be contacting you directly. Just know if they do, it's likely some sort of scam. And look, this this last tip that the FTC reminds us about is about robocallers. Honestly, robocallers have little to nothing to do with the pandemic directly per se. The types of calls may have changed or might be increasing because of COVID-19, but robocallers is something you should be aware of uh, in general. And look, uh, the best policy is, is if you don't recognize the number, don't answer it. But certainly if you, if you answer a phone call and there's a pause, in other words, those are typically, they're all on auto dialers and they usually pause until a live operator can be available to talk to you. Or generally, there'll be an automated robo uh, message uh, start and delivered when you answer. You should hang up on any robo call, any of those types of calls you should hang up on, especially the robo callers. A lot of these guys uh, do two things that are kind of shady. One, they ignore the federal do not call list. And you can't report them because they're constantly changing their phone numbers. But you know these robocalls are bogus because they're calling you even though you might be on the do not call list. And I highly recommend putting yourself on that if you haven't yet anyway. But that's one of the ways we know these robocallers and the like are uh, bogus because they ignore that list. And again, my policy, my personal policy is, is if I don't recognize the number or if I don't have it saved in my contact list on my smartphone, I just don't answer it. Look, if it's important or if it's somebody I know, they're going to leave me a voicemail. So I don't need to answer it. And a lot of times for the last two or three years now, I've been getting a ton of robo calls. So I just know not to answer them. I know what to look for. And so you know, look for those long pauses at the beginning of the call. If you do happen to pick up and say hello and uh, certainly any automated message that starts and they'll use both male and female voices. So you never know, but it's an automated thing and you can tell matter of fact, you can even talk and they just keep going. So, you know, it's automated. You should be hanging up on those immediately. And, you know, I don't get any kickbacks on this. I mention it because I've, I've, I use it and I've been using it for a, about a year and a half now and I've found it extremely effective. 
There's an app that I think is available for both iPhone and Android smartphones, and it's called RoboKiller. And I think it's like a seven, 14 day free trial, seven day free trial. And then after that, it's about $25 every 12 months. And it is the best program because let me tell you, it'll block just about anything that you don't already have saved in your contact list. And I know for some, that's not necessarily a, a great thing. But the nice thing is about this app, one of the many nice things about this app is if someone does get caught up in it, you can go in and say, no, no, allow this phone number. Um, but I would recommend Robo Killer. It, it has done a really good job in blocking those sorts of robo calls uh, for me or any type of call that uh, that's not in my contact list, honestly. Um, additionally, the FBI has some specific concerns. And again, you can go learn more at the FBI.gov, FBI.gov. Um, there's evidently an uptick of crimes against children and specifically it has to do with technology. You know, we're all, a lot of us are working from home. I shouldn't say we all are. Some of us have jobs and have to go in, but a lot of us are working from home, myself included. I think we just completed week 21 of working from home over five months of working from home now. And we were told just a few weeks ago that we're going to be working from home through the end of the year. So, you know, a lot of folks are home and a lot of kids are still out of school now. Whether or not they go back this fall for you and your area remains to be seen, right? Or maybe they are. But right now, kids were certainly out of school at least a chunk of the year last year, and they've been out of school normal for the summer. But, you know, so things have changed, right? Things have changed for everything, everyone, not just children, but adults in their professional careers too. And one of the technologies that we may find ourselves using more of is chat, uh, video chat clients or video conferencing tools. And I won't mention any of them, but you're probably familiar with them, especially if you have a job where they're employed. But kids are using these, some of these too, so they can remain in contact with their school buddies or their friends living down the street. You know, not everybody's comfortable going over to each other's house and hanging out. So a lot of kids and adults for that matter too are having video chat sessions with their friends so that they, they don't have to meet together during these times. And, you know, there's been a couple of these tools that have been deemed insecure or unsafe. And I think those companies have worked to make themselves safer, but there are some tips that you should follow when you know your kids are using these and you should be willing to have very open, frank conversations about your children when they use these tools. So the first is if it's possible, they should password protect any video chat session that they set up for themselves and their friends. That's first and foremost. And one of the biggest things that they can do is just not share their video chat session out with the entire world. Like don't share that link because they typically all have links and or phone numbers, generally both associated with them. Don't share that link to that chat session that's been set up out on social media and where the masses can get to it. Right. Because what's happening evidently as the FBI reports is there's an uptick on people uh, trying to lure children into, um, you know, potential trafficked situations, meeting them, sexual content. They're pushing through uh, photos and videos of the sexual nature to uh, through to these open, uh, unprotected chat sessions. And so it's very important that we keep these things locked down. And it's very important that we have conversations with our children about 
what to do and what not to do. And, and, and two, if they do see something, what, what to do in that case, who to report it to. And, 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 you know, you should be willing to have that uh, frank, honest conversation with your kids. The other thing that's on the uptick uh, with the FBI are obviously, and again, it's, it's normal day-to-day stuff for scammers, right, and criminals, but there's an uptick in financial-related scams, right? And it's mostly centered around uh, unemployment. And then uh, a legit government program called the Paycheck Protection Program, evidently. And you can read more about this on the FBI's website. Um, and there are criminals that are trying to take advantage and solicit funds for these programs. Uh, criminals are even um, establishing uh, bogus businesses to collect the government stimulus and uh uh, programs that they've set up for small businesses. There's all kinds of shadiness going on uh, there, and 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 um, even criminals that are trying to uh, uh, collect unemployment based on stolen uh, IDs, uh, ID theft. Um, and the other thing that the FBI talks about is money mules, right? If you've been asked to pass money through your account, keep money in your account and then send it through, generally they'll offer you some sort of commission for doing that. Just know if you're involved in something similar where money's passing through your account, uh, even by somebody, you know, um, because they may not even realize they're involved in a criminal activity, but just so you know, this whole money mule thing is a criminal act. It's basically a way of uh, money laundering. And, you know, like you hear all the time, ignorance of the law is not an excuse. So uh, there's a few things for you to go out, uh, like I said, to the FBI and the FTC are great resources and learn. I encourage you to go learn more. You know, when it comes to scams, I have some personal um approaches, philosophies, whatever that I'll share with you now in this time frame. So when it comes to texts, look, I shouldn't be getting texts from anybody that I don't know. So unless I sign up at a restaurant to let me know when my table's ready, if I don't recognize a number or a name isn't associated with a text I receive, which means it's got to be saved in my phone, I shouldn't be getting texts or a whole lot of texts from unrecognizable numbers, right? So those texts, and I have gotten a few here lately, so I can say that in the last three months, those have been on the uptick. Not that I get a lot of them, but I have gotten several texts that I don't know who they're coming from. It's just random phone numbers, and they're probably bogus phone numbers. I delete them immediately. Don't respond to that. If you don't know who it is or if it's not somebody you know or you're expecting a text from, delete it. Be done with it. Move on. Um Talking about phone calls, again, you know, in context of robocalls, you shouldn't be accepting those. As soon as you figure out it's an automated thing, hang up on it, because if it's a robocall, it's completely bogus, and that's just my rule. Uh, There might be something legitimate out there trying to get me on the phone and keep me on the phone a couple of minutes before a live operator can come on. If it's an automated message that starts playing for me, or if there's a pause at the beginning of the call, if I do happen to answer it, I know immediately it's bogus and I'm personally hanging up and that's what I do. As far as emails, you know, scammers and criminals have gotten, I don't want to say smart because I don't know that all criminals are super smart, but let's just say they've gotten more sophisticated, especially when it comes to email uh, scams and attacks, if you will. And so, 
you know, things are, are starting to look more legitimate. You know, they may even have a company's or your bank's logo in the body of the email. Uh, the subject line might seem legit. Um, but generally there's some telltale signs. Something's off, like the email doesn't quite look right. Um, you know, the way that they address you in that email, because you've probably gotten emails from your banking institution or whoever else prior you know, the, the, uh, the intro, dear so-and-so, hello, Mike, whatever it is, uh, that might look off. There's generally some telltale signs. Might be broken English in the body of the email. Um, you should never, ever, ever, I don't care, uh, ever click on a link in an email that you're uncertain who sent it to you or you're, you're not 100 and, well, there's only such thing as 100%, but you know what I'm saying. If you're not 100% of where that email came from, you should never click on a link in that. As a matter of fact, some emails can maliciously launch things on your local machines without you even opening the email. So most of the time, if you recognize something that's off or you're not expecting an email, or if it doesn't look just right, go ahead and delete it. But let's just say you decide to open the email. You should never click on the link. And one of the things that you can kind of tell that's a bogus, makes it a bogus email is if you hover over the link, generally speaking, your browser is going to show you the URL where that link is going to take you. And even if everything else in that email looks kind of spot on, like they're using the company logo, they've said, hi, Jim, whatever it is, uh, if you hover over a link and it has some kind of funky URL in it, or it's not anything close to the URL of the entity that is claiming to have sent you the email, you know it's bogus, it's a scam, and you should delete it immediately. But the other thing that you should do is if there's ever doubt, you're expecting something, if you're not sure this is it or not, Nothing says that you can't contact that entity or that individual directly and ask them, hey, did you send this to me? Hey, are you asking me for this? Blah, blah, blah. Don't. It's important not to use the email that the email was sent to you from, and it's important for you not to call the number that's in the email that's sent to you. If it's someone that you work with, like your bank, for example, or your mortgage company or your health provider, you should have their number in your records or be able to quickly look it up through a Google search or the phone book, whatever it is you use, and call them directly or email them through your email account with the email you last used for them. If it's legit, you probably already have it in your system. But if it's not, it's okay. Delete it and then look to call them and confirm what they're doing. That's the easiest and best practice. But Never, never click on any links that you're not sure where they're from. And you can go to the, to the extreme of calling them or emailing them directly on your own away from that email you've received to confirm whether or not that email is legit or not. If you just follow those basics, uh, you'll be a lot safer. Let's talk about 911. Now, I recently went online and tried to do some research for my local county uh, law enforcement here where I live, and I couldn't find any current statistics to find out what their response times were averaging and see any trends over the last couple of years, over the last several months to see if it's actually gone up or not. But I'm just going to throw this out there and you guys, you know, take from it what you will. I think there's two primary things that we probably 
can expect or have seen with 911 since this pandemic went on. And the first one is, is that uh, they're not answering all the calls anymore. We've heard that a few times, or at least I have. They're not answering what they might have once before. Um, I remember on kind of a sidebar note, I remember the very first ride along I went on with a local county uh, law enforcement agency, uh, the first 911 call we received, like literally had not been in the car five, 10 minutes yet on route in our area. We got a 911 call and to make a long story short, it was a guy at a fast food, well, probably not fast food, but a sandwich shop was mad because the manager would not refund him his money on the sandwich that um, she was making for him. He didn't like it. He didn't like the manager's attitude. He asked for a refund. She refused. He called 911. My first experience riding along with local cops, my first 911 call had to deal with someone not getting a refund on a sandwich. I suspect during all this, law enforcement are probably not responding to those sorts of calls at this point in time. Typically, law enforcement, as I understand, has to respond to any 911 call because they never know what's going on, you know, because the person that's calling may be in duress and makes up the story. So they their policy is to respond to every 911 call they receive. I think a lot of entities, and I'm not entirely sure what my county's policies are at present, but I can tell you I see a lot fewer police cars on the road, it seems. So they must be off only handling the important things like murders and rapes and robberies. Uh, you can bet that 911 service has changed during this time. The, the law enforcement officers are concerned about contracting COVID-19 as they should be. They have, they have health concerns too, right, for themselves. They also don't want to be intermingling with a lot of people on the road who might have COVID-19 because like every other time in their life, they're putting themselves at risk on their jobs. So you can expect likely that they're not going to respond to things they may have before all this went down. And if they do respond, it's probably going to take every bit as much time, if not more, for them to respond. So what does that mean? That means you have to be prepared for them not to respond to you. So what's the incident you're calling for and how long is it going to take if they're going to respond to get to you? Are you prepared? And that's why I started off this whole thing talking about the importance of knowing basic first aid and trauma, because if nothing else, if you know those skills, if you have those basic skill sets, you might be better off than if you didn't have them, especially knowing that 911 is not responding the way uh, they have necessarily in the past. Another topic, which again, I can't say how much on the rise it is with the likes of COVID-19 and this pandemic we find ourselves in the midst of right now. But you know, there, there has been some rioting and reports of rioting and looting out there and, you know, general civil unrest and rightfully so people are stressed. People are, uh, concerned for their well-being. Uh, there's a lot of, um, or at least the news would have you believe, there's a lot of incidents with law enforcement maybe not doing the right thing. And, you know, uh, I'm not going to go too, too far down that rabbit hole, but no matter, the populace is a, at least a little bit concerned about having to deal with rioting and looting and civil unrest. So there's some things you should know with that. And, um, 
you know, uh, I guess it was about four or five weeks ago. Now I went to dinner with a friend and a city near me and there were protesters on the corner, uh, right, right. 10 yards from the door of the restaurant we went to. And, you know, it was what I would classify seemingly as peaceful protesting, right? Like what should be happening? And that's exercising our constitutional rights, right? It's not rioting. It's not robbing from each other. It's not those sorts of things. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because I've got a big soapbox with that. But when you find yourself in those situations, you want to exercise vigilance, probably more so than normal, because you never know what's going to happen. That peaceful protest could erupt into something nasty, or it could just be a bystander walking by or drive, driving by that stops and gets out and starts raising cane and makes a fuss and creates something that it didn't start out. You never know. So I don't think this pandemic necessarily is causing riots directly, but there's certainly it's certainly on the top of people's minds, at least some people's minds, some percentage of the population. So I want to talk about rioting for a moment. And again, I'm not suggesting that COVID-19 is causing rioting, although it may have in some areas, but we know that rioting is going on out there, right? And, and certainly more recently, and most of it uh, centered around or at least focused on law enforcement or similar. So, you know, my general approach to things like that is avoidance, if I can, at all cost. And so, well, first thing I'm going to do is I, if I know that rioting is a possibility, I'm going to do some research. If I know I'm taking a trip or going somewhere, I'm going to be doing some research to find out if there's any civil unrest in that area I'm going to. And if there is, I'm probably going to postpone, right? Unless I absolutely have to get down there, right? I'm probably going to postpone and avoid that situation. And look, I'm just going to throw these things out, which is a theme for the next couple of topics that I want to talk on here today. I think the two things that will get you further more safely than anything else, especially when it comes to confronting others or large groups of people or even individuals in these times, is one, the practice of avoidance, avoidance and getting away. And the second one, especially for guys, is keep that ego in check. And we'll talk more about this here in a minute. But I want to focus on rioting. And so, you know, the first step is find out, you know, you know where you're going. Um, and so if you learn that there's something going on, you may need to make the decision not to do it at that time. Right. And that's probably the best option. Now there's two other things that could happen. One, you find yourself having to go into a situation or two, you're in an area and something civil unrest suddenly erupts. What do you do? Well, if you're situationally aware, your head's on a swivel, you're staying frosty, you're paying attention, you want to avoid it. And if you can catch it soon enough, even if it turns out to be nothing, the best thing you can do is get out of there, right? We've talked about that before. And I highly recommend going back and listening to some of our other podcasts about mindset and personal safety and doing the right thing. But avoidance and getting away, <laughs> getting away is your number one self-defense move, right? We've talked about that before. And so that's very true here. But if you find yourself having to go into an area, which probably is pretty rare right now because typically if there's rioting, known rioting and looting, no one's intentionally going to that area except first responders, hopefully. But let's say you're down at the baseball game or whatever for the on a weekend and suddenly 
something erupts in that crowd. Well, again, your first thing is to be paying attention so you recognize it early enough so you can get away. And, you know, that's your best that's your best bet. And look, if you can't get back to your car, you want to find a business that's open, meaning that you can get in. And, you know, as um, some entities point out, you probably want to avoid the police station. Ironically, sometimes you want to go to the police station, right? But in case of today, for example, with all the uprising against some law enforcement, um, going to a police station may not be your best bet. Um, if it's the only thing around, if it's close enough by, it might be okay, but you have to realize you might be putting, setting yourself up to have to deal with even more if you go there. Uh, fast food restaurants are evidently another one that you've got to avoid because they're typically targeted, right? And this is where you get into the looting and breaking of glass and all that. So you want to find a neutral business, some corporate business uh, in downtown, which should be easy enough. Uh, something, and then, you know, stay away from the glass, obviously. But rioting and looting generally take place out on the street. And as long as you're avoiding the glass windows and whatnot, you're probably safer in that building than you are away. If you're in your car, you want to try to get out. If you get stuck in your car, you know, you're coming into a situation, you want to avoid those large crowds, right? You want to find the earliest point that you can turn down the street to get you out of there. If there's no one behind you, you might need want to throw your car in reverse and back up to a street that you can get on, or you might just need to do a UE in the turn and get out. Uh, the last thing you want to do is drive through a crowd in an aggressive manner. You know, there's been some instances of people getting hurt and killed, being run over with cars uh, for a number of different reasons, uh, but pertaining to rioting and looting, you know, that's not a good place to find yourself in. And Look, you know, if you get trapped in a crowd or if there's a crowd around you and your car is your go-to safe space, you might be best off just rolling up the windows, locking the, certainly locking the doors and then keeping your mouth shut and not showing any signs of aggression whatsoever. And hopefully it'll pass, right? Probably call 911 even though they're tied up and likely already aware of the situation. It just is what it is, which is why it's so key to avoid them to begin with if at all possible. Um, but if you can't get to your car, you can't get to your car, get you and your family away. And, you know, with all that being said, the two things that I can tell you that be the case, no matter what the traumatic situation you find yourself in is try to remain calm. Not all of us have the opportunity to face these situations every day, right? That's fair. So try to remain calm and keep your head and wits about you. And then, you know, if you are with your family, especially your children, keep them with you, right? Hold their hands, make sure they're right there along with them, you know, do your job as a parent to protect them. Um, don't let them get lost in the crowd, keep them with you. And so those are some tips that I would tell you, the biggest one being avoid it to begin with. But if you find yourself stuck in it, you don't want to be a part of the crowd, you don't want to join in. One of the largest, I'll say threats, that might not be the best word, but one of the largest problems, uh, threats with a rioting, looting, large crowd, civil unrest situation is the concept, psychological concept of groupthink. And that means everybody's joining in for the sake of joining in, even if they wouldn't otherwise do it. The power of the group kind of overtakes the others in the surrounding uh, individuals, right? And so it's very easy sometimes to find yourself caught up in bad situations. Don't be that person. 
Uh, don't get involved. Get out. That's your key. And don't be one of these assholes that stand on the side taking pictures and videos, especially if you're with your significant other or your children. Uh, that video going up on on social media is not near as important as you getting away with your loved ones safe safely. So, you know, one of the things that I've even experienced firsthand, not directly on me, but just have witnessed, or at least I think I've witnessed it firsthand, is the stress, the general stress that's out there. Now, what the media and social media might have us try to believe is that there's tensions between certain groups and certain individuals. Personally, I haven't seen that the case. I've been to a lot of grocery stores and gas stations over this time, and everybody's cordial and nice and friendly. Anybody that does have an issue is probably being quiet and withdrawn, if nothing else. I haven't seen the tension. But I generally, I mean, at that level, but I know that tensions are higher. I know stress is higher. I mean, look, people are out of work. Small businesses have had to close down, right? Tensions and stress are definitely up. And so a few weeks ago, I was going to have lunch with my team uh, a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, because it had been at that point like 17, 18 weeks since we'd seen each other, something like that, 16, 17 weeks since we'd seen each other. So we met for lunch near our office. And both, I had about a 30, 35 minute trip each direction and both coming and going, I witnessed aggressive drivers on the highway. And, you know, you can tell, telltale signs, right? The ones that get right up on your rear bumper and ease off a little bit and then right back on it, ease off a little bit and right back on it. You can tell they're impatient and they're aggressive, right? Or they're zooming around you and cutting right back over and they're speeding up and they're traveling way faster than the rest of the traffic and they're zigzagging out of out of traffic, or maybe if they're not even zigzagging necessarily, they're erratic and very uh, jerky in how they change lanes. And so you can tell there's a certain tension in the air or a certain impatience in the air, right? And so both coming and going, I experienced that same thing, two different drivers, two different vehicles, obviously at two different times. But the point is, is that it's out there. And so I would just caution you when you're out on the road, avoid any potential for road rage, right? If somebody else rolls down their window and yells at you, don't engage with that. Don't flick them off. Don't stick that middle finger up. That middle finger will get you killed these days. Um, that's a little bit of extreme, but that's not necessarily an exaggeration, right? There's been people killed for less. Uh, don't engage. Uh, by that standard, when you're at the gas station or the grocery store, you know, if someone's not standing in line just right, yeah, you have the right to ask them whatever, but just know in the state of things, you might get pushback on that. Like, let's say the person behind you is two feet away from you. They got a mask on. You don't. You can't exactly ask them to stand six feet away when you're not wearing a mask like they are. Whatever the situation is, just let it go. It's not worth the engagement. It's not worth getting hurt. And look, if you're with your significant other or your children, you definitely shouldn't be engaging. So just know that the tensions or stress are definitely up. Like I said, people are out of work. Small businesses have had to close down. Uh, they haven't gotten the support they need from the government, whatever it is. Maybe they've got a loved one that's sick currently at home, whatever it is. Um, just avoid that. And this is why I said the two key points um, 
is really avoidance and getting away. And secondly, keeping that ego in check. And look, you know, the egos of guys, guys have got the ego and, and that's okay. That's the way it is. Um, but keep it in check. And for women, for you, it's the intuition, right? At least a lot of times it's the intuition. If you're near around, um, an area and you get a bad feeling, your spidey senses are going off, your spidey senses are going off, whatever it is, pay attention to that and just get out and leave if you can. Uh, there's no harm in it being nothing after the day. The worst case scenario, you might offend somebody, but they'll get over it. Your safety is paramount. So avoid the situation, get away if you can, as you can keep those egos in check and listen to those intuitions. And you'll be a lot better off during this whole pandemic thing. So with that, I think we've had a good talk. Hopefully you've got something out of this. Uh, if you haven't been listening to us, I recommend going back and listening to our other podcasts. We've been doing this for almost uh, two and a half years now. And look, if you're a repeat listener, uh, we appreciate it. There's a lot of music choices out there, a lot of other more entertaining podcasts probably, but hopefully you're coming to this one, listening to it. You're taking away at least one nugget of information that while if nothing else, it's just making you get to making you think about things or maybe do something different than what you have in the past. And, you know, we appreciate you listening to us. Thank you so much. And look, if you like what you hear here, <laughs> tell your friends and family and leave us that five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, anyway, that concludes episode 28 and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining us. So just a couple of additional tips free of charge here today. Um, I would encourage you to take a break from the news and the social media outlets. It's a, it's just a constant barrage of information at any given time. And I know for me, at least with the news, it's constant negative, right? Uh, through this entire thing, there's only been the bad things talked about. So if you find yourself watching a lot of news or listening to the news or looking at a lot of social media, do yourself a favor and take a break. Just walk away from it all. De-stress. Turn it off for a little while. You'll be better for it. And the last thing, and not to sound uh, too cheesy, but wash your hands. You know, you'd be washing your hands. Your mama should have taught you to wash your hands at some key times, like before you eat, when you get done in the bathroom. And you'd be washing your hands, hopefully, during regular cold and flu season. But now, keep those hands washed. When you've been out in public or you've touched something funky, wash those hands. And with that, we'll leave you.